0: you could turn your sword of the Lord to the 29th Psalm. Father, thank you for gathering us today to continue to go through your word of God. We pray that we would see your majesty, that you would be magnified through your scriptures, that we would continue to see your holiness, and that you would continue to grow us in holiness as well. In Christ's name, Amen. Alright, this psalm is about God's holy glory. His glorious holiness. And that his chosen people should not be able to contain themselves from crying out his awesomeness, his majesty, and his glory. That we would boast in God and boast in Christ and continually give him thanks for the salvation of that we wretched sinners do not deserve, and the division of the sermon is as follows: verses one through true is the Lord in heaven; verses three through four is the wonder of God in the storm at sea; verses five through seven is the wonder of God in the storm in the north; verses eight through nine b is the wonder of God in the storm in the south; verses nine through c is the cry of His glory. In verses 10 through 11, is the Lord here on earth? Beginning with verses 1 through 2, is the Lord in heaven? Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. The Lord is the object of the praise here, the object of heavenly worship. Three times the mighty ones are called on to give praise to the Lord. This threefold usage here of give unto the Lord, followed by the verb worship, is also found in Psalm ninety six seven through nine and first Chronicles sixteen twenty eight through twenty nine. Most scholars agree that it reflects a liturgical practice. Just excuse me here. These candles here are rolling all over the pulpit. Uh, Most scholars believe that this reflects a liturgical practice, just like you, Nebulatins, that is our liturgical practice. But this is a liturgical practice of calling the worshipers to present themselves with their sacrifices and their offerings before the Lord. And now in the New Covenant, Jesus Christ is that sacrifice. He is the sin sacrifice, the Lamb of God who was slain for the foundations of this world. He is the one that now is the ultimate sacrifice for his chosen people. Contrary to this psalm, sadly, as many of you already know, today's westernized Christendom has a skewed view of whom Jesus is and whom the Lord is. The Lord here is Jehovah, Yehovah God. He is Almighty God. Since the psalm speaks so greatly of this Lord, of our Lord, I must sound the trumpet and be the watchman on this wall. It is never my goal to intentionally ever offend anybody in this congregation. That is never my goal. And sometimes some people cannot understand why I might mention things that are negative or something that we should be watchful of. But it's only because of the fear of God and the love for his church that I say this. But just last week I learned of a new popular TV series called The Chosen. I never heard of it, but it's pretty popular. But last week I studied it, wrote about it. It's an alleged Christian TV series that grossly violates the second commandment. As it portrays an imaginary Jesus, it portrays Jesus as an effeminate man, and it's it's in gross violation of the second commandment. And so that I don't have a log in my own eye, my wife will testify that for years, a large portion of my Christian life, I had a picture of Jesus on the wall. It was in an expensive frame with a brass plate of Psalms one one, and it was a beautiful portrait of Jesus Christ seated at a huge desk with Winston, Sir Winston Churchill, sitting in his chair, and Christ Jesus giving Sir Winston Churchill counsel and advice, most likely in the World War II era, obviously. And I never saw anything wrong with that picture. My motive was right, my intent was right, until somebody brought it to my attention. You have that on your wall. And it took for years, actually it took a couple decades, that the Holy Spirit would convict me and see the Scripture for what it is. That it is a violation of the second commandment to have an image of a likeness of Christ or the Father or the Son or any part of His deity. And to have a movie that portrays Jesus as a feminine person is a gross violation of the second commandment. Obviously I took that portrait down admittedly I didn't have the guts to throw it away it's stored but it took me a long time that God would grow me and sanctify me enough to realize that I was breaking his second commandment but this Lord as seen here in this psalm and throughout the scriptures is not the Jesus seen in the tv series called the chosen this Lord is almighty God he's Jehovah God he's omnipotent he's omniscient he's omnipresent he is a mighty warrior Oh, he is soft and loving and gentle for his sheep, but he's also a mighty warrior. As it says in Exodus 15, 3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. This, these mighty ones here in verse 1 can be translated to the sons of God or heavenly beings. The mighty ones or the heavenly beings are also known as the sons of supreme power, per- perhaps in maybe one of your translations. And they are to show due honor to his glory and his strength and to his name. All human beings and heavenly beings, even the exalted angels, will acknowledge the Lord's glory, that he is glorious. And they must and will bow down and worship before his holiness majesty and holy character even the non-believers one day the Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord even those under the earth thus says the Lord even those in hell will cry out that he's Lord but it will be too late for them then because he will not be their savior so my dear church we belong to the kingdom of God Therefore, it is God's will that we do the same with His holy name, that we worship this Lord as Jehovah God, a just, righteous, holy, mighty warrior that He is. The same God that is infinite in wrath and judgment towards the ungenerate is the same God that is infinite in love and grace and mercy for His sheep. Verse 2, it even says that we must give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. My dear church, our God is an awesome God. He's not a television figure. He's not a televangelist. It says in Psalm 66, 1 through true, 1 through true, make a joyful. You know, that's one of the things why I like about not having amplification. We're not even using a microphone here. Make a joyful shout to God. All the earth. Sing out the glory of the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. We need to make His name famous everywhere we go. Verse 1 says, God is strength. And now in verse 2 it says, God is glory. He is glorious and is an abundance of glory. We don't watch our Lord on the television. But verse 2b says that we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. This phrase in the beauty in the Hebrew word means that he is a decoration of beauty. He's full of honor, a holy ornament, that he is glorious. In the military, we have highly decorated soldiers and officers. Nobody is more decorated than a beauty of god in the beauty it says in the hebrew that he is decorated of beauty and grandeur and splendor this holiness is kodesh which we all know here which means that he is a sacred place he's not only sacred he is a sacred place he is rarely abstract he he is sanctity he is consecrated he is dedicated hallowed most holy sacredness or separateness In the Hebrew. And because God is holy, we too are to be holy. Because without his holiness, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 14, Without his holiness, we cannot see God. In 1 Corinthians 6, it says, Without Christ's righteousness, we will not be able to inherit the kingdom of God. Thanks God. Thanks be to God. Praise be to God. That we have his holiness, that we have his righteousness. Every person in this congregation that is saved, that is born again, possesses that, those attributes of God. Regarding being set apart or sanctified from this world system. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21. Lots of verbs in here. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, because as it is written, Be holy, for I am holy." Continuing on, it says, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. For our time here on planet earth, we're to conduct ourselves in holiness and in fear of the Lord, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. We were redeemed by an incorruptible Christ. Like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. As of lamb, without blemish blemish and without spot, Jesus, the only man that was perfect, sinless and spotless, He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Jesus was foreordained to be Jesus. He existed before planet earth was even created. Called the doctrine of the preeminence of Christ in Colossians 1. He's always been here. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through Him believe in God, through Christ we can believe in God who raised Him from the dead and glory, and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. That Christ raised Him from the dead. There's the gospel right there. Death, burial, and resurrection. And know that He ascended into heaven where He's seated to the right hand of the Most High God. That Lord... Jehovah, he's seated at his right hand, equal with the Father today, to intercede on our behalf. There is not a Christmas present that we can receive better than that one, church, right? Amen? Amen. So let us continually pray for more sanctification. Pray for more holiness. As Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling." It's Holy Spirit willing. It's God willing. It comes from Him. It's nothing that we concoct. It's nothing that we make up ourselves. Holiness comes from the Lord. And sanctification is of the Lord. Moving on next in verses 3-4 through is the wonder of God in the storm at sea. There's been some storms, hasn't there, lately? Amen? The God is supreme and sovereign even in the storms at sea. Verses 3. And four. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. This voice of the Lord is used seven times in this chapter alone. And three of them are there in verses three and four. This voice of God in the Hebrew, call, means to call aloud. To proclaim or to sing, to sound, spark with a thundering voice. And this voice is a noun masculine. It is a masculine noun. What's the other movie that came out a couple years ago? Another movie, Blasphemy, that proclaimed Jesus Christ, God, as a female. Very popular. It happened to be an African-American female to make God even more politically correct. Charles Spurgeon said this, The thunder is not only poetically, instructively called the voice of God, since it peals from on high, it surpasses all other sounds, it inspires awe, it is entirely independent of man and has been used on some occasions as the grand accompaniment of God's speech to Adam's son's there is peculiar terror in a tempest at sea, when deep calleth on the deep, and the raging sea echoes to the angry sky. No sight more alarming than the flash of lightning around the mast of a ship, or no sound more calculated to inspire a reverent awe than the roar of the storm. The children of heaven have often enjoyed the tumult with humble joy peculiar to the saints, and even those... Who not do not know God have have been found have been forced into unwilling reverence while the storm has lasted. End of quote. No doubt the thunder in the storm that's mentioned here in the scriptures reverberates over the many waters like an, an advancing onslaught. It's it is a sound of His awesome power and glory and majesty. When you hear a storm, you're hearing the voice of God cry out to you. And the voice of the Lord is not only loud and thundering. The next passage is a theophany. A theophany as it is further as it further describes his voice. Listen to this. And those of you all in the mountain community can really appreciate this. Verses 5 through 7. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. He breaks the trees, the cedars, he busts them. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The Almighty, all powerful God can move the trees in this mountain community like matchsticks, if he chooses, is what this passage is saying. And he does. He does. We saw it in paradise. We saw it in North California. Where God decreed a fire to annihilate an entire, more than just a city, more than just a community. A whole county was destroyed. He can make the animals skip like a calf and run for shelter. We've all seen the fires up here in the mountains. Deers running for help rattlesnakes burnt on the ground where they fried, where they were cooked by the fire, animals, carcasses on the ground, burnt, trying to run and skip like a calf or skip like a deer. And it says that He can burn them with one breath, the breath of God. As we were pulling into the parking lot today, we got to see a beautiful sight. The glory of God through one of His creations Walking right through this cemetery, right here through these windows, a big bobcat, beautiful, beautiful bobcat, beautiful head, beautiful face, beautiful white furry tail. And he walked across the asphalt and he stood there and he was watching a bird and we watched his tail do this, back and forth back. almost looked like a cat that was or a dog that was in a good mood that wanted to play. And it was just the beauty of God's creation. And to see that bobcat skip away and skip off, talking about God's divine providence, that he would allow us to see that before the sermon. It says right here that the calves skip, that the deer run and they skip through the forest. That God does this. The creator the creation and the giver of the gifts does this. And his voice thunders in the clouds. About two years ago, we all had a bad storm. I was in, we were sitting in our home in Redlands. And the thunder was so loud, I don't know why the windows did not break. It almost reminded me of something that that we would shoot into a home in law enforcement when we do a high risk felony, high risk entry of a home, when we break into a home. We shoot what's called a flash concussion grenade through a back window. And it enters the home and it blows up. And the concussion is so loud you can feel it several houses away from this house. And it startles the people inside. It's a shock and awe that they've never experienced. And that's when the officers make the entry into the door that they're intended to go in, but they're all in shock. They don't know what's happening. They can't hear. Some of their ears might even be bleeding. And that's what God does with his thunder. We were in the house in the front room and it scared me. It was the first time in my life that I was ever scared of thunder and lightning. And I knew that was the voice of God. Lord, is it our sins in this land? What is it? Is it a geographical sin? What is he saying through that voice, that thunder? Now these mountains, in this passage, they're being bombarded. Tall cedar trees, they go crashing under these lightning strikes sent by God as the violent gusts of God's wind, one by one, picks off these trees like calves or a deer. Boom, boom, boom. Skipping on a mountaintop. That's what this passage is describing. This is powerful. It says in Psalms one fourteen four through eight, the mountains skipped like rams, the little hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea that you fled, O Jordan that you turned back, O mountains that you skipped like rams, O little hills, little lambs, tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a foundation. Of waters. That's the God that we serve. As Dr. Vodi said, that's the God that I serve. You've all seen that sermon as he pounds his pulpit. Next, in verses 8 through 9b, is the wonder of God in the storm of the South. In school, I studied geography in the Bible. It was the most boring class I ever took. We even had to draw pictures. I felt like I was in grade school again. I don't know how to draw. To try to understand the geography. We all got maps in the back of your Bibles. I'll be honest with you, I never understood the importance of knowing the geography in the Bibles. I I know it's important, but I never could understand the strong emphasis at it that you would take a whole course on that. And I didn't get a good grade because I really wasn't interested but, uh, this is a, uh, this is talking about geography. Now is there's a storm in the south and the cry of his glory. Obviously it's important to God or it wouldn't have been here, the geography, the south. And we'll talk a little bit about that, about the wilderness of Kadesh. Uh, but it's not important that we get an A in school in this. It's important that we fear God and we love him. We're obeying his word, his commandments, and we're growing in holiness. That's actually more important. And that we're loving each other as a church. Verses 8 through 9 says, The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf, and discovereth the force, and in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The lightning is moving southward, geographically speaking. The wilderness of Kadesh is now shaken, but not by a so-called Mother Nature. You watch Dallas rains on Channel Seven News. I don't know if he does, but I'm just—that's just a popular name for this nine oh nine area code or the Los Angeles area. But they, a lot of them will refer to Mother Nature. Moving down south, towards Yowans Canyon, there's a storm. Mother Nature's, you know, no, it's not Mother Nature. It's Almighty God. Almighty God Himself. The glory of God reveals itself in these desert regions, the mountain communities, and every region in between. He rules over everything and everyone. The voice of the Lord resonates in heaven and on earth. David made three observations here, church. First, he says that the voice of the Lord makes the calf or the deer give birth. Premature birth. Or maybe it was on time, but it was just an expedited birth. And maybe some of the mothers here can relate to that. But one scholar said this, it is a scientific fact that weather disturbances have a direct influence on animals that are about to deliver their young. The second observation here that David pulled out of the scriptures that David showed us here is the psalmist sees the trees stripped naked of their leaves. This is not speculation. This is based on the Hebrew word discovereth. The word discovereth in the Hebrew is the word "kasaf." Which means to strip away the leaves from the tree, or to make bare. Isn't it cool that God does that every fall? There are discovereth it says in the, in the in the King James. Third, the third observation here is that God's temple, in God's temple, everyone cries out glory, glory, glory. God is glory. Next verses ten through eleven is the Lord on earth. The Lord sitteth, verse 10, the Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. That's a promise for us. He's not going to give us the peace that we want. I know my wife a lot of times will say, so I just want peace. <laughs> I want peace. <laughs> well, The peace that God's going to give you is not the peace that you want. It's a different kind of peace. But the flood, uh, the flood here is the Hebrew word mabul um, and it's mentioned only 13 times in the entire Bible. It's mentioned here in this passage also in Genesis 6, 7, 9, 10, and 11. As the Lord is supreme and sovereign over his holy judgment on sin and he's sovereign over the flood. The Lord is so powerful and so just that he, as you know, he once decreed a flood to annihilate the the entire population on planet Earth, except for those whom He allowed to get on the ark. God's chosen people. And you know what's scary, folks? If God once annihilated an entire human race before, what makes us think that He wouldn't do that again? Everybody that is born again has been given an ark, Christ. And he opened that door to another ark, Jesus, the door of life, and we're on board that ark, waiting for either us to go home and be in His glory, and or the second coming of Christ, whichever comes first. The only says the only thing in Scripture that He promises it will be different the next time He annihilates a population is it will not be with a flood, as we see in the rainbow covenant. He promises not to do that with a flood but it will happen again some other way, probably, I believe personally, by a fire. This Lord is a sovereign king and ruler over all events, including the judgment of sin and sinners. And the same God that destroys and judges is the same God that saves, provides, and strengthens His chosen people, us, followers of Christ. That's the whole counsel of the Word of God that we must always teach both the goodness and the severity of God. His justice and holiness and wrath, but also his love for his chosen people. As another said, the subject of the psalm is the demonstration of God's glory in nature. We saw that today driving up. God's glory in nature. But its impact is the opposite. It gives a sense of tranquility and awe. Yahweh, our God, is powerful in His glory. He can and does protect His people. He opens heaven up so as to unleash His blessings of protection, victory, and peace. There is quietness within the storm for those who belong to the people of God. Every blood-bought, repented, born-again saint belongs of God. And there will be quietness in those storms in our life. Nothing is beyond the sovereignty of God. Nothing is beyond the ability of God. And his elect has nothing to be worried about. As one theologian said, this actually was Henry Ironside. I haven't read Ironside in a long time. It's a wonderful picture of the soul that has gone through its exercises, its stress, its trouble, but has learned that God is overall, that he is strong to save. And so the heart rests in him and is at peace. God is strong to save. He is mighty to stay. He is mighty to keep the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. And we will not lose our salvation as a church. If we could have lost it, I would have lost it already a thousand times over and over church as we come to a closure of this year 2020 let us give thanks to him for all the storms in our life let us give him praise for all the storms in our life as well as the lives of others that he brought to us this year and let us embrace him as he might decree even more storms in 2021 possibly worse storms in 2021 eventually the storms will get worse as another said the sentimentalist says one is nearer to God's heart in a garden isn't that true we all have gardens where we're near to his heart my favorite place to go pray and be with the Lord used to be on the front porch of our previous house it was squatting down by a koi pond and watching the fish and the frogs and the turtles and the koi in a pond praying to God that was my place of peace And then we built one in the backyard and a great place to be with God and be alone. But let me read this again. The sentimentalist says, one is nearer God's heart in a garden. More realistic, the Bible affirms we are also near his heart in a hurricane. Through our most difficult times, God is near us. And we must be near him. As it says in James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee. So church, let us grow together in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been a great year being together with this church. It's been a great many years. And I know I've been your installed elder pastor since June. And now I have a, a more, a, a, even a more important role in that area. And it's going to be an exciting year serving you as your pastor, who's nothing but a knucklehead, nothing but a worm in God's hand, alongside Pastor Mike when he comes back from his vacation. And let us look forward to the next year as a church that grows in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that loves each other, that holds each other accountable. I get texts, I get emails, I get phone calls of some things that I say that people didn't like or didn't understand. And sometimes I believe I was right and sometimes I believe I was wrong. But let us grow together as a church. I hope to not lose anybody in this congregation next year. We've lost a lot of people over the last several years. And I hope we stay together as a family. And so the next time you hear that resounding crash of a loud thunder, I went off my notes, by the way. Let us think of the voice of Almighty God. The voice of Almighty God. Because with one hand, God's judgment and wrath is coming upon this world. That's why we share the gospel, to give them hope. How they can escape that wrath. But with the other hand is the loving interposition of Christ. That Christ's arm interposes on behalf of his church. The doctrine of interposition. Christ stands in the gap Is our interposer. His saving and his protecting his repented blood-bought church. In closing, I like what Paul Washer said. With one hand, God is motioning man to come to him. But with the other hand, he's holding back his wrath. Soon, he's going to drop both hands. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for David. Thank you for this church. Lord, we pray that you would add to this church according to your will. We pray for individual growth, that we would all grow in your grace and knowledge of you, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the chief pastor and head of this church. We ask that your gospel would be, uh, it is a visible manifestation of your gospel, the communion as we partake in the communion next, uh, that we would see your efficacious atonement through that death, burial, and resurrection as we celebrate that now. Please, Lord, strengthen us in that area as well. In Jesus' name, Amen.